0: Hello, everybody. This is the Small Bees Kaizen podcast. My name is Brian Venge. I'm your host. This is episode 13. On this show, we talk about issues that relate to improving your business to bring about value and the results that end up on the bottom line. So what am I talking about? We're talking Kaizen. We're talking continuous improvement anything and everything that should inspire you to take action today and do something about your business in terms of moving it forward and onwards so what have we got in store for this episode if you recall last week in episode 12 i had a great interview it's covered so much uh, to do with optimizing your website for better conversions i had in the studio hooked via skype Carl York from a company called Dyne, D-Y-N, and he's based in the US, and Andy Piggott based here in the UK from a company called Incusio. So I asked these two guys who had met earlier at the London E-Commerce Expo to take me through the 10 ways in which you can practically optimize your website today to better increase conversions. So we've been taking it all the way through. We got to point number four, so today, without wasting any further time, we'll pick it up from point number five as we cover those 10 ways in which you can optimise your website to increase conversions. Enjoy.
1: five, five, six, seven, and again, I'm fairly quick. Um, look, number five is really optimise your images. Um, we, we often see sites uh, and any... You'll have seen it when you browse a web, you, you fire up a site and there's a thumbnail on it, and it is almost loading line by line. <laughs> it takes forever to yeah, download in your I've browser. Yeah. And it, it's a case of people just using uh, inappropriate images in, in the wrong place, really. you know, Make sure you do resize your images so that they are optimised for the, the particular place you're delivering them on the page. Sure. And use the, the right image types. So uh, People quite often don't know when they should use a, a GIF or a JPEG or a PNG. Yeah, um, you know,
0: I'm actually one of those. What, what, what kind of general advice would you give in terms of when, when is it appropriate to use a JPEG and when is it not? When is a PNG a better option?
1: Well, um, in terms of the, the broadest rule is if it's an, an image like a photograph, yeah, then use a JPEG, okay? because that, that will be the optimal format for delivering that in. Okay. Um, almost everything else, um, for instance, generally your, your business logo, um, buttons and so on, um, you would want to be PNGs, mm. although they could be gifs, but PNGs tend to be, to be better now, unless you need an animated graphic, um, and then gif is your only real option at the moment. Um, but they're, they're the rules of thumb that, that we would tend to use, um, and we, we can get some links into the show notes to help people identify what the best format is for their image. That'll be great. Number six is a, a delay your JavaScript or you use asynchronous JavaScript. This is this is probably the most common cause of poor time to render. So now we said right, the browser's got enough data to draw the page now. Mm there's a lot of old JavaScript around or badly written JavaScript that tries to do something as the page loads and will actually cause the page to not load until it's finished doing its thing. Mm. Um, so the the classic example of this um, from the good old days was the Google, Google Analytics code. Um, people yeah. would put at the top of their pages and it would, until it had retrieved it from Google and you know, recorded your, your visit, the page wouldn't load. And if For any reason, there was latency at Google's end, Mm. which does happen. You know, people could sit there for two or three seconds waiting for a page to load, which should have already loaded two or three seconds ago. You know, make sure if you're using Google Analytics, for example, that you use their latest um, asynchronous JavaScript. uh, Mm. That works very, very well. And if you've got JavaScript on your page, you'll need someone technical to look at it, but make sure it's not holding up your render time. Sure. and again, we'll put some links in to help with this.
0: Brilliant. Just something related to that, end, you may just want to clarify this one for me as well. I've also noticed on a couple of websites that I have where I've got some, I don't know whether it's JavaScript, to be honest, but they are basically affiliate link uh, scripts, kind of. Oh, yes, that seemed to be the only thing that's really delaying this this page from loading because I see it in the in the bottom left hand corner that you know it's going through this particular affiliate link. so is that related to that uh, delay in the JavaScript loading as well?
1: It is yes, and um you you would want to um, delay the JavaScript from loading until the page had rendered, so you you can do that, and that, that is common, you'll see that where a page will almost not load until the adverts have started appearing. Exactly. Exactly, um, And you almost want to reverse that process out because the users want the content, that's what they're there for, yeah. and then the adverts can load in immediately afterwards.
0: Mm. So it is um, possible to reverse it? Yes,
1: absolutely. Mm. Um, uh, there, there is a lot of work going on in the community to to really enable that at the moment. Um, and again, I'll, I'll send you some, some links for the show notes to, oh, to help great. people identify whereby, where they can make improvements around this. Okay,
0: sure. Um,
1: number seven, yep. which is our final quick point is our, what we call Keep Alive. Now, this is another server-side option. It's down to your hosting company to enable this. Um, and what it does is, um, as we said, when a when a browser needs to load a web page, it first of all connects and says, I, I want this web page. That web page is delivered, and then the browser says, right, I now also need to get this cascading style sheet and this JavaScript file and this image and another image and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, it's not uncommon to see... Uh, you know, a browser making 50 or 60 requests to a to a web server to generate a page, mm-hmm. and for every one of those requests, um, if Keep Alive is disabled, and it usually is by default, mm-hmm. the browser, uh, well the server has to allow the browser to open a new connection which takes time to negotiate, mm-hmm. then it has to send the data, then it closes the connection. And what um, Keep Alive does, is it allows a browser to maintain a connection to a server and retrieve more than one object at a time. Mm. This can actually lead to a speed up of about 50% in getting these objects back because there's no negotiation process of, you know, please could I have this object getting sent and then closing that connection down. So, you know, actually the hosting company tend to win because they're able to... You know, they don't have to manage as many inbound connections at any, any one time. Yeah. Um, and you will certainly get a, a speed increase from a from web browser. It's a little bit more difficult to test this, mm-hmm. um, but there are some tools to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we can help people find that out. Um, and again, it is a, a back-to-the-hosting company and, you know, please could you enable this for us? Mm-hmm. Um, it's usually a server-wide option. And they should see some, some performance increases as a result of that. Um, that would certainly help the... Um, time to render as well with the first render
0: sure let's move over to to carl do you want to just take us through the last three um ways in which we can optimize websites even further
2: yeah absolutely it's an, I, I always get amazed by andy you know for a tech guy he talks a lot huh <laughs> <laughs> no, He's a great guy we've just developed a phenomenal relationship and uh it was actually the first time we had ever met uh we met the the day before we spoke at our London talk, and I'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, Brian, that we we did a good job, uh, absolutely, a decent rapport. <laughs> that's
1: good. Yeah, we had a great time, didn't we?
2: <laughs> absolutely. So so anyway, yeah, the last few ways uh, we can talk about here um, to kind of uh, increase performance and, and optimization of your website. Um, one of the, one of the ones that's pretty interesting is just straight up monitoring. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of folks out there don't pay enough attention to monitoring, even if it's internal monitoring of your internal platforms, or even just for uh, the mom and pop, the the ability to externally monitor what an end user's experience is like um, mm. using your service. So, I mean, there's tons of different tools out there for use, uh, everything from webpagetest.org to a customer of ours uh, called newrelic.com uh, to a customer and partner. And I'm actually on the board of advisors for a company called catchpoint.com mm-hmm. um, that's doing third party external monitoring. So, they can monitor every layer of your infrastructure stack, um, really look at I Everything from DNS down to uh, kind of end user performance from different parts of the world to see how does my site perform to an end user who uh, who might be on the west coast of the U.S. or who might be in New Zealand or Australia, um, and really looking at um, things from the end user perspective to see how does this website actually look. Uh, it's interesting, and a lot of times when we start talking to customers, um, you know, we'll ask them, you know, do you know how your site? Forms and will even run some very s- basic tests. Even uh, a, a site called Pingdom allows for some free testing. That's mm-hmm. uh, just shows you some really interesting stuff to see how long it takes for your web page to load and for people to access that website. Sometimes it can be seconds at a time. Um, so you know, this is a really interesting point. Uh, I know Andy has a lot of experience with the monitoring as well. Um, you know, and, and we've been pretty impressed by Catchpoint, who competes heavily with like a Gomez or a Keynote, who are much larger uh, proven established players. But sometimes the proven established players, you know, are cost prohibitive for many people. So Absolutely. it's nice to be able to go out there and see that there's lots of options uh, when it comes to actual monitoring.
0: Good stuff. We'll include that one in the show notes as well. Yeah. Oh, excellent.
2: Yeah. And, and Andy, again, I don't know if you have anything to add uh, necessarily. I know you guys have, have got a lot of use. From monitoring, um, you know, again, I, I'm not technical, so um, in, 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 yeah. my, in my role and capacity, I don't necessarily use these tools except for to show prospects and customers, um, you know, where they perform today versus where they could perform tomorrow.
1: Now, we, we monitor everything extensively. As, as I sort of showed Carl around how we were we were monitoring from our side, on particularly on our e-commerce platforms. Um, mm. And we, we look at the internal applications um, extensively with one of the guys you just mentioned there called New Relic, um, you know, which will will tell us whether our whether we have any problems are on our internal side, um, are pages taking too long to render um, on average, how long do they take? Which of the slowest pages? Where do we need to optimize our solution best?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then probably more importantly is the the monitoring the catch point which allows us to monitor. Um, from all sorts of locations around the globe, from a user's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think something I want to very quickly talk on here is, you know, the majority of our customers are very UK-centric. You know, like- particularly on the e-commerce side, they sell to a UK audience. Yeah. Um, you know, 100% or 95% of their business are is coming from the UK. And they often ask the question of why? why should we really care about you know how a, a user in New Zealand experiences our website, yeah. and it's not necessarily about the user experience over there. Um, but what you've got to think about is that there's, the search engines um, typically aren't going to be crawling or located in the in the UK. So they're they're going to be looking at your website from locations in the US, from locations around Europe, and and potentially from other parts of the world. Yeah. And if your site is performing very very poorly for 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 users globally and outside of your key audience then you will be penalized for that unfortunately um Mm. you know a website is a is a global it's a global entity so you have to deliver consistently even if your your actual customers aren't here Um, or or, or on on that global audience
0: yeah that's a very interesting way to look at it i never thought of it that way but it does make absolute sense because you know your ranking as it were is dependent on how these crawlers uh, perceive your site and these crawlers could be situated anywhere in the globe absolutely yeah
2: and and not not to mention i mean when folks are searching for things online, whether they are looking for information or, uh, they're looking to read a blog and learn about everything from, you know, we have, we have people using services of ours that are doing, you know, interior design blogs mm-hmm. and, um, in food, cooking blogs and or websites and and if you think about these things, I mean these are universal things. Absolutely. You know, and as search engines continue to crawl, uh, continue to look for real time content and up to date content, some people by accident are getting SEO'd like mad and don't even necessarily realize it. And their audiences, although you know, might be swayed to one geographic region, they might have some very important viewership out of certain other regions. So it's just a really unique uh, thing to look at, and, you know, it makes people realize a little bit more that that speed and just this st- type of thing matters. I mean, the next thing on our, on our list is really just talking a little bit more about DNS. I mean, we yeah. talked about it earlier, mm-hmm. um, you know, and covered a little bit of this, but it, DNS... It, Unfortunately, is the forgotten infrastructure element in a lot of situations. You know, people think about it as being something that you know they just get for free from their ISP or from their hosting company or from their domain name registrar. Um, uh, it's not something really globally understood. Uh, you know, our recent marketing campaigns that we've been working on are less about marketing die in the company um, mm-hmm. or our service offerings, but more about Marketing um, and, and building and promoting and building awareness around the domain name system overall and the importance of managing DNS and having a reliable DNS infrastructure. So you know you'll see things like if you go to dnsisexy.com, dot com, um, yeah, yeah th- you know, that's that's marketing at its finest. I mean, absolutely. this this is the internet plumbing. Um, sure. And what we're trying to do is a, a little bit of a spoof uh, on the concept that you know. Only the, you know, system administrators and network operations folks really know and really care about this sort of thing. But Mm. it's very easy to use. Um, Companies like ours have created very easy to use user interfaces and are trying to enable these services to come back down to the common person. You know, And you know, other campaigns uh, that we're currently doing in part of my London trip, uh, You know, our CEO just spent three weeks living in New York City, mm-hmm. um, visiting with customers, going to local meetup groups, uh, talking to prospects, uh, learning from other CEOs how they're building relevancy around their companies. Uh, and this is called taking it to the streets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the idea, again, isn't necessarily around promoting our own company. It's really around trying to build broader-level awareness. Over why this technology makes a lot of sense, because at the end of the day, I'm sure your hosting company might provide DNS, but most oftentimes they're providing DNS in one facility or maybe two facilities, and typically they're just going to be centric to the region in which that hosting company has prominence. And you know, you can shave hundreds of milliseconds um, at a time, mm-hmm. um, even half half a second at a time uh, on that time to first byte in certain situations when mm-hmm. users are coming from far. far period away. Uh, Just last week and yesterday I actually met with a a company that Andy had introduced me to that is originally founded in the UK but had moved to Boston uh, and we started to look at their DNS infrastructure and it was taking a second and a half from mm. the U.S. to you know where they were actually based now mm. to get back to their servers in Ireland uh, to do a, a simple DNS lookup mm. and you know when we started to look at these things and you start to look at real time and and look at the fact that a thousand milliseconds is a second, folks. Uh, that's a long time. Um, people surfing the net are a little bit um, ADD, <laughs> you could say, <laughs> and uh, are, are opening multiple browser or multiple tabs in their browsers and going to multiple sites at once and. Is something really, really to think about. And then lastly on DNS, something that, you know, sites as they grow and as they scale, they need infrastructure that will scale and grow with them. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can tell you very straightforwardly that Twitter was a customer when Twitter was a figment of Evan Williams' imagination. Uh, He he Mm -hmm. went to dinedns.com, he signed up for our consumer-level services, and became a phenomenon. So our company has very much grown with them over time, and it's a little bit of gambling. You know, the hope is that you work with smaller companies, you help them scale, uh, you, you, you go for some mass because you want a lot of customers, um, but, you know, as they scale up, it's fewer and fewer customers who are going to use our enterprise services versus our consumer. And just to add to that, you know, someone like uh, a customer of ours is Zappos.com, you know, know an interesting Thing I heard once from their, um, you know, VP of uh, network operations was the concept of this load balancing and geographic routing, and the idea that in the you know northwest Pacific Northwest of the United States, that Zappos might want to might want to show rain boots and galoshes and raincoats because it rains a lot. But mm-hmm. in the Northeast of the U.S., they might want to actually so, uh, show more snow boots and, and, and winter jackets and and do these sorts of things and a. A lot of what you can do with DNS is really just control control where your end user uh, gets to once they go to your website. You, in, with content delivery networks and uh, different you know global caching and, and the accessibility of um, cloud computing, re- whether it be Amazon AWS or GoGrid or Joyent or Rackspace Cloud, and being able to use content providers that are actually allowing you to put different types of content in different types of places. Um, We can be that traffic cop as well through DNS. So, you know, I've always said, you know, the the company that's going to win or have great success in the DNS space is the one who can help create the most awareness and make it more relevant to a a larger group of people. Can help grow the market, but it's also going to be the company who can articulate the use cases and the the unique things that you can do with DNS as the mechanism to do it. But stops calling it DNS because acronyms are a plenty in the tech world Um, people get confused uh, and really if you think about it more as uh, you know that traffic cop or that internet phone book or that kind of um, ability to do traffic disbursement or load balancing or geo-routing Um, I think it brings it to the people a little bit more. And some sites may not need that complexity, but that's, again, why we have services all the way across the board, so that you know, whatever you need, uh, you can use some level of service and, and be off and running and see increased uh, speed and performance.
0: Fantastic.
2: Two All right, four. so great. So yeah, the last one I just wanted to kind of quickly cover, I, I covered it a moment ago a little bit, but uh, talking a little bit more about co- content distribution networks. And the idea around these is basically the ability to deliver content to your end eyeballs from um, content locations closer to them. Um, you know, Dine and Incushio, we both partner with a company called Edgecast Networks. Uh, it's a nice provider of this. There's also other companies like Limelight and Cotendo and Akamai is the biggest in the space based out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. But basically what a CDN is doing is, you know, copying your different content to different data centers around the globe. Kind of like us, except the fact all we're doing is uh, the routing. Um, and and so we're, in, a, in essence, Dine as a DNS provider is almost like a DNS-based CDN except we don't follow it with the content and then what these delivery networks will do is actually to take that um, content and put it in front of the users um, in a very unique way and I know Incushio has benefited greatly from a lot of these services Uh, you know uh, it's almost a big part of the discussion we talk to the bigger customers or even the startups when they're coming to us for enterprise based DNS and and they'll they'll also be asking questions about global content distribution and you know hosting cloud based hosting uh a lot of different things with the rest of their infrastructure, DNS just being the kind of gateway uh, into that. So I'll kind of kick this over to Andy, and uh, he can finalize uh, t- point ten on CDNs.
1: Yeah, thanks, Carl. I think it, it's it's worth touching on um, you know really why we've engaged with all these technologies because from, from our perspective. Um when we're delivering our platforms, we, we're not a DNS provider, we're not a content distribution network. Um, we just want to plug into the services that work best for us and work best for our customers. Mm. Um, and when we we actually began looking at this at the start of 2009, and we we engaged with, with Dyn just after that, um, because with our DNS, we were hosting it with uh, Rackspace Managed Hosting, who are probably the, the most respected hosting company uh, globally at the moment. Um, and everything was working kind of fine for for UK, EU, US customers, um, but we were starting to see an increasing user base outside of, of these regions, um, particularly Australia and New Zealand, um, and we were getting reports of uh, you know people seeing two or three seconds latency on websites before a page would load. Um, mm.
2: So when we initially engaged
1: with, with Dyn, um, this um, reduced those lookups down from two or three seconds to about 80 milliseconds um, globally. And this is now, as we've worked with Dyne over the last sort of 18 months or so, uh, that's now running in the kind of 50 milliseconds region. And, and actually for the UK customers, we're, we're down under 30 milliseconds on, on lookups. So a tremendous increase. On, although for our UK and US customers, we've only trimmed about 100 milliseconds off, mm-hmm. That is a 1% increase in conversion, which is a, a, a large amount for quite a number of our customers. It's massive, yeah. From the, the content distribution side, that, that's also been incredibly important for it. We saw the benefits that, um, that Dyn gave us on the DNS by you know, distributing our DNS services ar- ar- around the world. And it was a phenomenal improvement, and and we had great reports back from customers and, and, you know, really good reports filtering back to our customers about it. So um, we took it a step further, and we started not just – previously, we were delivering some content on content distribution networks, and we started to deliver full sites. Um, Mm. And we we partnered, as as Kyle mentioned, with a company called Edgecast, Mm -hmm. who take large – Quantities of our data, Uh, currently about 80% of our delivery is via Edgecast now. So not only... Is our delivery much, much faster because Edgecast, if a user's in the US, they will get the website delivered from the US. If a user's in Australia, they get it delivered from a site in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, what's actually happened is it's actually reduced a, a wide range of our costs. So our, our infrastructure costs have gone down because we're serving less of our, our infrastructure, mm-hmm. and our bandwidth costs have gone down because. Our, our bandwidth is, is actually reducing out of the UK and, and buying outside the UK is, is a lot, lot cheaper on, on bandwidth. So mm. we're seeing a lot of cost savings, a lot of headache savings because we're having to manage less infrastructure Um and we're seeing much more consistent performance, so we don't have those spikes in the day, which mm. can cause a site to go a bit laggy. And um, We get consistent performance day in, day out, and we've got access to all these great people at, at Dine and at Edgecast who can help us scale the traffic. So mm. if if we're expecting to... You know often, when customers come to us, we, we work with them to build up their search optimization and build out their sites and improve their customer experience mm-hmm. um, and we'll see growth of you know quite often two, three, four times in, on the bottom line of the business. Um, clearly, that's a lot more traffic and a, and a lot more delivery that has to happen, and we've got access to the people who just make that happen for us and, and make sure it's working so that we can carry on working very closely with our customers and not worrying about that
0: Excellent and that's what it should be at the end of the day. It's really, I think, this whole um, series of episodes has really demonstrated the power of what we preach always on this blog, which is really continuous improvement, the, the ability to make changes and monitor and measure and see what impact it has, not only to your website, but to your overall business strategy, as you've just mentioned, you, you, I mean, th- th- cost reductions, increasing speed, increasing traffic, all these things that any business that's online is, is, is all out there to, to, to improve. So, yeah, fantastic stuff.
1: I think it's just the, the right person for the right job. And you, you, you don't hire an accountant to do your marketing. And, yeah. you know, I think we, we see that. We, we don't see that many companies who are running DNS should be. They they don't really have any expertise in it. It's it's relatively straightforward to do on a small scale, but mm-hmm. at the level Dyn do it, you, you know, you need expert, a lot of expertise to keep that platform running.
0: Awesome, awesome stuff there, I think ten really, really practical uh, methods to to optimize any website out there and li- li- like we, we say right at the beginning it 's all about increasing performance and in the true spirit of, of this blog, you know, which is Kaizen for small business owners. is really about um, identifying those small changes here and there that will help you at the end of the day, make an impact that is going to help you forge ahead with your business. So with that, guys, I just want to firstly, thank you so much for the time that you've given me on this uh, blog and this podcast to discuss this very important issue. Secondly, I just want to uh, end off by asking you to just tell us if if uh, any of our listeners were to get hold of you you know what what is the best um address you can leave them with and if you guys are on 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 twitter or any of these you know it's it's um it's also good to just mention how we can keep in touch with what's happening in your world so let's start off with Carl and then andy thanks guys
2: no, sure Brian again thank you very much for this uh, I'm glad we were able to meet and hopefully we can continue our relationship um, you know so basically again it's Kyle York I'm the vice president of sales and marketing at dyne Inc uh, you can find us at dyncom is our website um, I am just K York at dyn.com. Uh, you can also write into hello at dyn.com or sales at dyn.com. Uh, you can get to us we're very accessible very transparent organization um, uh, based on building real solid relationships on trust. You can also find us on Twitter um, at DynInc, D-Y-N-I-N-C, and you can also find our consumer support team at DynDNS, D-Y-N-D-N-S. I am at York 20 uh, 20 the number, and I'd love to uh, engage with any folks out there who would like to learn more or, or uh, continue to build upon uh, this podcast.
0: Brilliant.
1: Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Brian, for the opportunity to uh, have this conversation. Um, you can uh, reach me or the team at Incusio. uh It's incutio.com. You can reach out to me directly. Uh, just send an email to andy, A-N-D-Y, at incutio.com, um, or just search for us on Twitter or Google, and you'll find all the contact information you need.
0: Brilliant. So, guys, thanks once again, and uh, all the very best in your future endeavors, yeah?
1: thank yeah, you Brian thank it's been a much. pleasure Cheers. Yeah, thank you Brian most welcome
0: take care now bye well that brings us to the end of this two-part series where we've been looking at ways in which you can optimize your website and I don't know about you guys but I definitely want to listen to both these episodes at least more than twice because there's so much contained in there that you can um literally jump onto from from today and and really make those small changes what i liked about it as well is really it brought the whole concept and the whole principle of kaizen to to the forefront you know a lot of what was covered in there is real actions that you can take today and measure and monitor the impact of those actions with a view to obviously optimize and improve the performance and a lot of it touches on the core things in business like reducing costs reducing infrastructure reducing overheads, increasing traffic, increasing volume. So it really makes good business sense. I really, really enjoy this interview. Right, and moving on, I've got two just additional pieces of updates for you. Uh, If you recall, about two episodes ago, I mentioned I have been busy putting together a small little project. Not small anymore. It's actually quite big and looking really, really good. I'm talking about Pimp Your Biz, the book that I've put together to really help any entrepreneur or small business owner to improve your business. So I call this the weapons of mass improvements. How to create value through flawless execution of continuous improvement, which is Kaizen, yeah? So it's a complete end-to-end guide in what steps do you need to take to improve your business under any circumstance. Recession or not, this method is foolproof. <laughs> so, if you're interested in this book by any chance, you know, just go to smallbeeskaisen forward slash the book. And uh, on there, I've just got a little link where you can, you know, just register your interest and, you know, also offer you a 30% discount when we do launch, which will be before Christmas, definitely. This is something that's been really, really keeping me busy. It's, it's I've put in a lot of stuff in here good good stuff so hopefully you you'll you find that useful the other thing is um yeah just uh, another small little appeal if you ever want to ensure you don't miss an episode the best way is to subscribe via itunes this always helps us in the rankings in itunes if you subscribe this way but also you know i want to also encourage you to just click play on the website that is also good and um lastly It's just to say thank you very much for everybody who's been with us since we started. It seems like it's such a long time ago now. But uh, reaching this milestone, episode 13, has really, really been great. And thanks to you guys for listening. And I hope you have been finding these episodes inspirational and motivational to pick up Kaizen to be part of your central business strategy. So until next time, over and out. Cheers.